everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Storm King's Teddy, Session 17. Happy Halloween, Kat. Yeah, same to you. Uh, wife's in the kitchen making some tuna casserole and going to greet some trick-or-treaters later. So, Yeah, um, uh, I'll assume that tuna casserole is for you and the wife. <laughs> yeah, yes, although that would be an interesting twist on Halloween. <laughs> So, um, yeah, uh, uh, you guys doing anything? No, I'm not doing anything. Just probably going to stay home and watch some anime. Well, uh, good man. That's, uh, (laughs) that's, uh, usually what I try to uh, get done during, uh, events like this as well. So, um, so session 17, uh, another Big two rounds of combat. Uh, looks like we had uh, action in two districts last night. Uh, the first was Harbor District, and uh, that dropped Mask, Keelan, and Gorko uh, into that district along with Stormlord Jonas Wilkes, uh, Zerb, Gald, Stevie, Belmare. And about five, what you term jobbers. So, um, those are the red shirts. Yeah. The, um, the token storm watch. Yeah. The the ones that are there to eat up attacks and get slaughtered. Yeah. They're not storm (laughs) watch guards. They're just like, I, I'm assuming they're, um, like guards under Jonas Wilkes command. You yeah, know, that, like I mean, he, that would make sense, uh, yeah. at, at least in that district. Yeah. Um, so. so we had um, all of those, and so obviously, so uh, Mask missed the very first part of the session but came in mid-combat. Um, I was there for the whole thing playing my character, and then we had you playing Belmare. We had... Prue playing uh, Stevie, mm-hmm. the Pinta thingy. Can't remember what it was called. Uh, I don't remember what it's called either. And Lars was playing uh, Gald. And holy crap, is he a badass. Yeah, Gald is scary. Lars too. <laughs> but I mean, uh, Gald, holy cow. Uh, okay, so uh, we were facing off with five frost giants and a pair of winter wolves. And our setup was essentially buildings with two primary alleyways that led into the city. And uh, we were told that we couldn't let them get past that first set of buildings where there was a fountain behind there, or they would just kind of start running rampant through the, through that district. So we kind of had uh, a, um, a mission inside other than just killing them all. It was don't let them get past a certain point on the map. So that added a kind of a new level of, uh, complexity. Um, and when we started out, uh, we had a, uh, round zero as 
Mask, Keelan, and Gorko were feather falling into the combat where Keelan upcast aid to give all three of us 10 extra hit points. Uh, and then once we were dropped down into the combat, um, we rolled initiative and uh, Stevie rolled really well, went very first in the round. Keelan rolled really badly and went next to last in the round. Uh, and I, I don't know if there was a significant difference in, I mean, a, 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 an initiative that made a difference in the rest of the combat, was there? No, it was all pretty spread out. I um, actually, um, the initiatives were, other than, I think you, uh, other than the players, everyone's initiative was already played, uh, rolled out ahead of schedule. And it was actually Bel Mare who was supposed to go first, but like, I didn't want to act turn one. So I'm like, hey, does anyone else want to have a, like, want to go first in the initiative and I'll just trade initiatives with you? And, um, Crew playing Stevie swapped initiatives with Belmare because I'm like I like the the giants are like in the ocean ready to or in the docks ready to come up and the wolves are on the docks but like they could split and go either way and I'm just a lowly little captain newly found captain swashbuckler and I'm like I'm not charging into there so I didn't I didn't want to go first so I traded my initiative but yeah. I mean, other than that, you know, there was some giants that had higher initiative. There was some giants that went pretty low. The wolves, I think, were about in the middle. And uh, our our friendly jobbers, um, they didn't, they just, it didn't matter for them. They just yeah. essentially got stepped on. They, they did do a little damage in the fight, but um, yeah, they didn't last long against the giants. Um, so as the fight formed up in round one, two of the giants, well, actually one of the giants starts coming down the nearest, the left hand alleyway. And, uh, a second one pretty much starts drilling through one of the buildings, um, to the left of that. So kind of two of them are coming down that alleyway. Um, there's a third one that starts drilling through the buildings to the right of that alleyway. And then two of the giants and one of the winter wolves goes down the right alleyway. Uh, the second winter wolf jumped up on top of the center buildings and because we had some characters that, uh, scaled up there. Um, so, uh, round one. Uh, Stevie went first and released a, is it a paralysis gas that he does? I think it's paralysis gas. Yeah. And, uh, unfortunately the, uh, giant made its saving throw and, uh, which I actually expect from giants cause I think it was a con save and usually they're pretty hardy. Uh, what I wouldn't expect them to make is wisdom saves, and they probably made half of those last night as well. Um, they they made a few, but I think the dan- they they failed more than they succeeded. Well, um, I know that when Jonas Wilkes cast his big 
his big drop that um, it was succeeded there and at least half the time on my spirit guardians. Um, but uh, still in all, um, when we very first joined battle and I was looking at the board, I'm like, we're going to lose. <laughs> we're facing right. five full-on frost giants and two winter wolves with breath weapons. Um, that's not great for us. No, I I thought it was going to be a hard-fought battle. Um, unfortunately, you last session, you didn't experience the fire giants that we fought. So coming off of that fire giant fight and seeing five or six frost giants and a couple of wolves, and those are all the enemies on the map, like there's not even little tiny little like gremlin dudes to fight. It was just those eight people. I was like, oh, this is going to be a rough battle. And yeah. we're essentially like funneling them down two lanes with our friendly jobbers on the right. And we, uh, some people on the roof, I think it was Mass, Gorko, Gald were on the roof. And yep. then everyone else like kind of overcommitted to the left. And it showed because <laughs> the jobbers on the right, they easily broke. And then you got two frost giants just free reign to go past a fountain and yeah, down the plus right winter wolf. path. And, yeah, and a winter wolf. So, and yes, we overcommitted to the left a hundred percent in agreement. I am also thinking that was the smartest thing to do because what you need to do to my mind, I think what you need to do in those situations is focus on a single enemy until it's down and, so that you're taking attacks off of the board. So the more people that you can get on to a single opponent and get them dead quicker, I think that's better. Uh, but yeah, uh, to your point, um, we did leave that right alleyway very, very unguarded. And um, Jonas Wilkes went to reinforce it. He had a fly spell. And he flew over there and started throwing Eldritch Blasts, three at a time. Um, so it wasn't completely unopposed, but yeah, basically everybody else was either on the roof or um, in the middle or going down the left alley. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying. Is the, If we focus one down, that's one less thing we have to worry about. But there was one, two, three, four people on the left. Uh, three on the right, four, three players on the left, and an NPC. Um, two players on the roof and an NPC, and nobody on the right. It was just friendly jobbers and Jonas Wilkes, and um, yeah, they just it was two coming down the left. One was charging straight down the middle, um, busting up through the the warehouse or the building that was separated the two lanes, and then two off went to the right along with a winter wolf and the other winter wolf jumped up on the roof. And that was pretty much the extent of like what we were facing and where everyone was positioned. So round one, uh, goes by with, uh, like I said, Stevie did, uh, their, um, paralysis gas. And then, um, everybody else started attacking, uh, did Gold go off round one or was it round two when he started? It was round two. 
I think Gaul got up on top of the roof and then stealthed up, and I don't think they attacked. Yeah, I think that's pretty much the way it was. Uh, so regardless, uh, round one for Keelan was uh, spell slinging. I cast third level spell Spirit Guardians and second level spell Spiritual Weapon. Uh, and man, I had a really good night with Spiritual Weapon. Uh, yeah, you so, uh, I, I think I attacked four times or five times and I only missed once. So, uh, yeah, bang with the hammers and the, uh, and then of course spirit guardians, um, it's either, uh, all or half if they make their save. So, and it was doing some decent damage. Yeah, you were rolling pretty well for Spirit Guardians as well. Even on a failed save, I think they would take like 11 damage or 9 damage. Yeah, the initial roll I had was 22. So if they failed, it was 22. If they made it, it was 11. Um, Teddy's having me re-roll damage every round, which I think makes complete sense. Um, I was uh, actually surprised in the first fight that I used Spirit Guardians in. He gave me the option to just keep what I had or or... Uh, re-roll and uh, I think it makes sense to have to re-roll uh, at least each round you know it may not make sense you know each time that someone's damaged by it but yeah. um, you know at least every round so um, and because that cuts both ways if I have a crap roll at the beginning you know I'm not stuck with it and if I have a great roll um, you know the DM doesn't have to face it down all the whole fight so yep um so, uh, and Keelan's philosophy at that point, by the way, was that the spirit guardians were going to be basically her best weapon. Uh, so at that point I started shadowing Belmare and, um, with the spirit guardians out to a 15 foot radius, which makes rough terrain and does the damage either, uh, when they first appear, if they're within the radius or if they enter, I can't like walk up to them and do damage with the spirit guardians. They have to enter if they're not in the initial radius. So um, that only got I think one of them, one of the giants to begin with. But then the um, when the second one started tunneling through that those buildings on the left, uh, it, it entered into that uh, into that radius. But because that's that was going to be my best weapon, um, if I got because and it's a concentration spell, if I get hit, I mean two things happen. First of all, I'm going to take what twenty five to thirty damage. Is that about average? Um, yeah, I, yeah. So uh, and I could only take two of those hits. If uh, so, uh, avoiding the damage was one thing. But the other one was I didn't want to have to make a save to keep my concentration up for Spirit Guardians. So I would use my movement, essentially, as my attack and um, use my my action to dodge so that if any of the giants tried to hit me, uh, I would have uh, – or they would be at disadvantage to do so. Um, and another reason for that is I was out of luck points. <laughs> So, um, oh, that's right. Yeah, I was completely out of luck points from the first fight. I mean, 
we didn't really need him in this fight, but yeah, I totally forgot you had Lucky and just never got a chance to use it. So, um, that was round one. Most of the people were positioning on the roof or in the left alleyway. Uh, Jonas was headed over to the right alleyway, um, you know, and doing, we did a little bit of kind of minor damage. Then, uh, round two, um, my assessment of the battle, uh, did not change that drastically, but, uh, it got, it kind of went from, we're going to lose this to, oh, maybe we got a shot. And that's because, uh, Harshnag, the giant jumps out of the water onto the dock and starts swinging. So yeah, talk about that a little. Um, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think if Harshnag didn't show up, um, we, I don't think we would have lost. It just, we were trying to like contain, it was trying to like contain them and we weren't really doing it all that well. I mean, the left side was fine, but we left the right practically wide open. And the whole point was to get them not to go past the fountain. So if Harshnag didn't show up, I, we would have absolutely failed on that front, but I'm certain we would have taken at least two to three giants down before that happened. So like if, if we did let a giant pass, it would have been one, maybe two. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, but then when he showed up and started swinging, I'm like, okay, now we've got someone who's also doing, major damage and so we've at least got one big dog in the fight and that was right up until <laughs> that was right up until um gold took <laughs> their first turn uh, in combat and so lars was controlling gold and holy cow uh what were they short sword strikes oh um I think so. I mean, for a for a person of Gaul's size, I think a long sword is considered a short sword. But yeah, yeah probably. I think it was, <laughs> I think it was short, short sword attacks. So, uh, regardless, two sword attacks and then like a bite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I don't. How much damage did Gaul do in a single round? Um, it was well over thirty. I, yeah, it was, it was like 40s, high 40s, maybe a low 50, I think. Um, yeah, it, it was, was pretty crazy. Certainly crazy amounts of damage. And sneak attack obviously helped a lot with that. Um, so yeah, I was I was awfully impressed with that. And that was uh, pretty much focused on the giant that was tunneling through the middle. Yeah, called uh, basically soloed a giant. Yeah. <laughs> well, he didn't solo. Uh, Winifred and Gorko were there helping. Winifred was providing advantage to, um, to Gald. Yep, and that was a big oh. deal. Yeah, that was huge. But in terms of like, you know, stepping up and fighting and like being a blocker, Gald essentially just soloed one of the giants. And when uh, Gald almost got hit uh, with two swings and just barely avoided one of them. Uh, but still took a pretty punishing shot from that giant in the fight. Um, also in that round, 
um, Stevie went again, and I, I don't. Stevie must have gone uh, easy on us. Or wait, you know what? We didn't fight Stevie, did we? We fought the Chimera when yeah, we met we Stevie. Didn't fight Stevie. I was going to say Stevie's a full on badass. <laughs> Five attacks, holy crap! Um, and uh, but the that same round, he also got slugged by the giant. Was it round two? He got slugged by the giant or round three? No, it was two. It was, Oh, are you talking about, are you talking about the net or being attacked? Oh, that's right. It got netted round two and then attacked round three. Right. I think that's how it went. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that one of the frost giants just came up was just like, Hey, I'm not going to attack this floaty penta starfish thingy looks cool and then he put stevie in a net ah pentadrone pentadrone i remembered (laughs) okay go ahead Uh, um but yeah the giant put him put stevie in a net and was just gonna be off on his merry way he's like i found something cool don't need you guys anymore bye-bye um but thankfully um the net could be attacked and cut if you had like piercing or slashing weapons. And I was fairly close up to bat after Stevie was netted and, um, bell mare had, um, multi-attack. So she had two short sword swings and a dagger. Um, and I took all three, but I, I cut Stevie free of the net and allowed them to, uh, not only be taken away, but to continue being in the fight because uh, Stevie, um and Prue did a great job, and yeah, I also and, and, I also wanted, and Stevie even though could do a ton of damage, didn't have the highest number of hit points. No, but um, I also want to do a, like a huge shout out to Prue because he, she was awesome in the RP of being Stevie. I uh, she I just was looking in the chat and she would type in stuff like, "Oh, why does the world hate the?" good or stuff like that and it was just like and what it was she's just typing all sorts of stuff like as a robot um and then we'll we'll get to the my favorite part of her of one of her little dialogues that she said oh yeah continue so um okay so round round yeah round three um stevie was freed in round two by bell mare and um, Giants took some more damage. Uh, in round three, after Stevie's attack, uh, they got waylaid by a giant axe and brought down to pretty close to zero hit points. Not quite. Essentially, it was one. It, it, she might as well have been on one HP because any hit from a giant at that range would have been death. Yeah. Um. Also, the Winter Wolf over on the right side had used its breath weapon on uh, the Jobbers, right? He got three of them, I think. And um, I think that that either killed the last of them or there was only one left at that point. I think two died and one survived. Because I think two failed their saving throws and one of them passed. Okay. And and then... um, so, uh, at this point, uh, when it rolls around to the end of the round, uh, Keelan is faced with a choice. Stevie is seriously down hit points. And, um, 
I can use my bonus action to throw healing word and uh, bolster by, I don't know if I roll well, probably 10, maybe. Um, more likely it would have been less than double digits, but uh, still probably could have gotten that high. Um, or I could use my bonus action to swing with my spiritual weapon again. And Keelan chose to swing with the spiritual weapon again. This is a, uh, this is a huge difference between, uh, having played a cleric in second edition versus playing a cleric a healer in uh, fifth edition. In second edition, death was, uh, on the battlefield was, even if you were saved, you were kind of still out of the fight because, um, you weren't like able to just jump back up and go into things. You were, you know, it was either hours or days, uh, that you had to recuperate if you went to, uh, well, if you went into your negatives, um, fifth edition stops you at zero unless you take just catastrophic damage. In which case you can be instantly killed. Yeah, I think that ruling is if it if you take damage double of your max HP, you're just straight up dead. Right. So, uh, Keelan. So at this point, what I have come up with anyway is that. So if I don't attack with my spiritual weapon, and and do the heal. I'm down a spell slot. Stevie gets 10 hit points, but that's not going to help if he gets hit by the giant again, because it's not going to put them up past a point where the giant's supernatural strength is going to not still kill with one shot. Uh, however, I also don't think that one shot's going to double their, their, um, you know, max total which would essentially drop Stevie to zero. And at that point, my healing word would allow them to get right back up and into the fight. So Keelan went ahead and used the, the bonus action on the spiritual weapon. Um, there's a lot of things that go into this though. Um, like healers in second edition, you really have to throw heals out there to keep people from going down because it's such a slog to get them back into the fight. In 5th edition, it's actually pretty easy to get people back into the fight. So, um, but it still would have mattered on uh, initiative. So, uh, I went next to last. Stevie went first. And the only character that went after me was a giant that was on the right side of the map. So, knowing that if Stevie went down, I would get my turn and be able to throw the... Uh, healing word on Stevie, get them right back up into the fight. And the only person or the only uh, character on the board going after me would have had no shot to put Stevie back down. That's why I made the decision I made. Now, if initiatives had been different uh, or, um, you know, or if, for instance, it was Harshnag and we really needed to keep him up in the fight um, without interruption, it might have been different, but uh, uh, healing in 5th edition is just a little more dynamic than just dumping in. You kind of got a plan and, um, you know, marshal your resources. So uh, that's why I did what I did. 
Um, I don't know if it was the right way to do it or not, but that was my, my thought process. But the last fight, you guys had to keep um, uh, pouring healing into the character that was doing all the damage, right? Wardon, yeah. 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 Um, that was an instance where if Gorodon went down, I mean, yeah, we could have used a spell to bring him back up, and he's back into the fight. But at the same time, like, he could take a hit. And when he's taken hits, he ate them pretty well. So we were just pumping healing into him just so being like you're not going down just please stay alive because you're our win con at this point but if um have seeing how it played out though if i had used the spell it still would have taken stevie down after that hit and then i would have had to cast another spell which would have meant that i was down two spells instead of one and i would have foregone two attacks instead of one so once again, that was the that was the whole healing philosophy behind it. Um, anyway, um, we went. What was it? Five rounds into the fight. I don't remember how many rounds, but it was swift and quick. Um, we uh, ended up. Uh, let's see, man, uh, over on the right side. Um, Harshnag was an animal. So I said in round two, I thought, okay, maybe things will, you know, are a little more balanced now. By round three, seeing how much damage they were doing, it was like, oh, okay, I think we got this. Uh, And and in retrospect, I would like to have seen Harshnag fight the entire thing by himself and see how well he would have done. The only way I think that he would have lost is if they ganged up on him. Um, yes, with the, with the winter wolves attacking him. And if he failed his strength save, um, he would have been knocked prone. And then if all the other frost giants ganged up on him while he was prone, that could have been devastating. Yeah. So but yeah, he Harshnag easily soloed two giants by himself. Yeah, I mean, uh Wilkes was over there pumping a little damage into him. I think uh didn't uh did Winifred end up shooting over that direction or uh, uh did he or, or did uh or uh, not yeah, it was mask. Uh, I don't remember if they ended up shooting over to the right alleyway or if they changed their mind and went left. I think it was Gorko that was assisting on the right as well. Okay, there you go. Um, But regardless, yeah, um, Harshnag was a a brute. Uh, And so was Gald. So we got down to where there was only one of the Frost Giants left. It was the one that had been going tunneling through the buildings on the left. And Belmare was uh, staying with that one, doing damage every round. I was staying with Belmare, so the Spirit Guardians were doing damage every round, and we got them to the point where they were very, very close to dead, and it was Stevie's turn. And this was this was one of the great things I thought that Prue did with Stevie. Yep. Um, is, was this where um, Stevie went down and... Then you used your 
was it healing word that you used? Yeah. So, uh, it was, yeah. it was the round before, um, Stevie went down and then I used healing word at the end of that round. So they were right back up in and Adam at the beginning of the next round. Yep. And then, uh, Prue typed in chat. <laughs> she, when, when, uh, Stevie came back up, she just typed in chat, the windows startup jingle. And I just about lost it because that was hilarious. It, it fits so well. So, just so you know, when that hit in chat, I checked my computer. I'm like, what the hell? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but then, uh-huh. uh, but then Stevie went full on face hugger out of Alien, and yep. um, yeah five shots to the to the uh, giant and there wasn't much left of the face yep and then harshnag pretty much cleaned up the right side oh he didn't because there was a giant um well he did but there was a giant that was also really weak on the right side and we had or um mask who was controlling uh gorko made gorko go full goblin mode on the giant and he's had him go in and melee him and you know he i i don't remember did he crit or was it just a really good roll um to where he did enough damage he did exactly the amount of damage he had left right he he did um enough damage to kill the giant and teddy described it as gorko just like running across rooftops jumping off landing on the face of the giant and just like stabbing him with daggers and tearing out his eyes and like ripping hair out and everything and he's like just going crazy on the giant killing him um and then all that was left was um one winter wolf one winter wolf and then um teddy said that harshnag pulled like a piece of meat out of out of his pack and he's he looked to the wolf and he's like you are my dog now and the dog submitted and that was the end of it and other than the red shirts the jobbers uh getting waylaid we came out of that fight actually pretty good yeah it was virtually almost unscathed i mean a couple people took some hits but I don't think anyone went below a half other than Stevie. Oh yeah. Stevie. Yeah. (laughs) I always forget one person. (laughs) Okay. Uh, so then, uh, we all decided to, this, this was kind of funny. We were, uh, told that we could head to another district. So we decided to go and help Greybeard and Southwatch. Uh, so we may come in at the end of that or, um, you know, don't know, uh, how that'll end up panning out next session, but that's what we were deciding. And, um, <laughs> and mask absolutely did not want to go help, uh, the dwarf, uh, and York. yeah, York. Uh, and I said, well, I don't either. However, that's where the vault with the toe is the, the titanic relic toe and and mask was like "Mm, good point and then even after we did that we're like yeah hell with it we're going to south watch yeah (laughs) Uh, nobody likes him 
I I mean, I'm sure he'll warm up to us eventually. I mean, we can't like all the storm lords. <laughs> it's true. Um, and uh, Keelan got us a ride to uh, Southwatch because I implied to uh, the storm lord um, Wilkes that um, it's nice to have friends. And so as a friend, he's uh, sending us um, quickly to Southwatch along with his uh, guard, Gald. So, yeah. I think it was described as the escape boat, um, yep. and how Wilkes was just like, "We don't want to leave um, Stormreach. We want to go further, deeper into Stormreach." Yeah, with turn it around. So, yeah, uh, and that was it. And that's actually where I had to duck out because uh, I had a pre three o'clock wake up this morning. So. You want to uh, talk about the uh, Embers District? Yep. So Harbor's cleaned up. Um, Forge Light's cleaned up. Both successes. Um, both varying different uh, successes. And then we came to Portia, Empru, Velos, Baruch, and a couple other allies. We had Jaylene, um, who was the bandit that we first ever fought. Like our first ever combat was um, her. She was robbing Tick Tick. Um, apparently, she's had a change of heart and got her memories back and stuff like that. And now she's an ally. Um, there was also Dagdra Monatu, um, York Monatu's daughter, was here as well. Uh, and a couple of other friendly jobbers. I think there was like three um, regular guards and three spies is what they were called. Um, but yeah, so that was pretty much um, the the playing field for allies and everything. Um, the actual layout of this combat was three lanes going um, vertically. Um, you had a whole back row of hill giants, ogres, bolt launchers, uh, troll. There was um, big dire wolves and small dire wolves. Like, in terms of numbers, this was the most amount of enemy combatants out of all of them. I think you could have put the Forge Light combatants and the Harbor combatants together, and there was still a little bit more in Embers than both of those other two places. Numbers-wise, yeah. Yeah. And there was no giant on this uh, on the ally team for Ember's district. So we didn't have a Gordon. We didn't have a uh, harsh nag um to help us out and be our win con. So I was I was a little concerned just by the sheer amount of enemies there were. I mean, granted the good majority of them were had like a quarter health lost or some of them were at half health um so it's not like we were fighting them fresh and full hp they they had a little bit of wear and tear on them but still it's pretty darn scary just when you're seeing all that much um i will say there was a little bit of banter um about baruch before the fight 
started. Uh, Teddy described him as like a Terminator 2 uh, walking down the right path or the right lane uh, with a shotgun. And he <laughs> specifically said it was a lever action shotgun for Lars's sake. And he had a cigar and like, a, I think there was like a Hawaiian shirt. His AC was horrible, by the way. <laughs> um, and he was just, you know, like, come at me. Like, I'm just hysterically laughing and like, I'm the big bad guy. Uh, well, he's a good guy. But, you know, so there was all that. Um, I have little... I've uh, done a count on the um, pre-fight screenshot you sent me. It looks like there are 30 opponents. Really? Yep. Oh, jeez. I mean, I would say at least half of those are tiny little dire wolves. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. At at um, half HP so or, or more. One, two. So you got three of the big wolves, um, and then it looks like uh, two big hill giants, and then a smaller, I can't tell if it's a... Uh, uh, ogre or, but yeah, so, uh, the bigger combatants, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, 12, and 30 total. I mean, it was, it was a fight. I'll say that much without spoiling anything quite yet. Um, but yeah, so we pretty much. That's the setting. Um, there was also some horizontal alleys going, connecting the three lanes to one another. Um, so you could go from like the left lane, go halfway down, and then go to the right, and then you're in the middle lane. You know, stuff like that. And there was also all... a condition on this one, right? Just like ours couldn't make it past the fountain. Oh, right. Yes. Um, the condition was. Um, to not harm any civilians or save the civilians in there. Um, it was, in, there was no civilians on the map that we could find. So it was like an implied that there were civilians in the building. And even in the combat, like the first couple of rounds of combat, some of the ogres were eating civilians. So it was trying to like, Teddy was building up the tension of just like, Hey, they're not just sitting idle doing nothing. They're actually doing stuff. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's the setting. So it looks like you guys came in on the right side of the map. Uh, yes, Portia, Prue, and Velos came in on the right. Um, Baruch was on the right. He was a little pushed up forward. Um, Jaylene and Degdra, and along with Kirisel Shadra, uh, were in the back, in the middle, and then over on the left was like a guard and a spy. Um, so it was pretty heavily concentrated down the middle lane and the right lane. The left lane didn't see too much action because everyone from the left funneled into the middle lane. Um, there was a few wolves that came from the left and tried to flank us, um, which came up towards the end of combat. Uh, I was playing as Jelaine, um, Lars was playing Velos, and Winifred was playing Baruch. Uh, he, his reasoning behind that was Baruch is one of the characters he cares about, so he wanted to play them and make sure they don't die. 
That makes sense. Yep. So we all rolled initiative, and something crazy happened. Is Baruch rolled like a five in his initiative, but he offered to trade with someone that had an even lower initiative. Okay. Not a higher initiative, an even lower initiative. So, I mean, it'll all make sense when I explain what what happened. But, you know, at first glance, you're just like, oh, okay. And he was just like, trust me, I have a plan. And so him and Kyrcel Shadra swapped initiatives because I think she was at a three. Um, so that happened. And pretty much um, Portia and Prue rolled like 14 and 12 respectively so they were like in the middle of the pack i rolled a nine as jaylene so i was lower in the initiative um and that was pretty much it every there was so many enemies that i couldn't even keep track of their initiatives it was they were just riddled throughout the turn order but first things first um doop 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 uh, Velos, played by Lars, uh, he started on the right side. He Lars got into character, and he's like, "All right, boss." Uh, talking to Portia, he's like, "All right, boss. Uh, what do you want me to do? You want me to stick with you and fight it out on the right, or you want me to go down the middle, or whatever?" And then Portia was pretty much just like, "You know, just do you, and just don't die, and come back." And then he's like, "All right," and so he pretty much went from his position to a center building on the right side and climbed it on the roof. And since this was the first turn of combat, um, everyone got double, or not everyone got double movement. Only Velos, Portia, and Prue got double movement. So he ran to the building, scaled the building, was on top of the roof, and was going to throw an alchemist fire on one of the ogres oh and keelan missed it well i i think he missed his throw so the alchemist fire didn't even land on the target and the way alchemist fire works is it's not an aoe it's just a single target that it affects it's not like you can throw it down and there's like a big pool of uh fire or whatever no that's greek fire oil yeah (laughs) Um, at this point, you know, we got the direwolves are rushing in. The troll on the right side rushed up to Baruch. Um, a couple ogres rushed up to them as well. Um, the bolt launcher and the melee ogre were pretty much coming down the middle as well. Um, the hill giant, the one on the right, excuse me, uh, went down the right side. And the one on the left came down to the middle. But he quickly diverted course, because I'll explain why. And then there was, I forget the name of it, because he had a special name. Um, But it was basically like a two-headed ogre. He was making his way downtown, walking fast, um, and eating civilians. So they're pushing up on us. Velos did his turn. Uh, I'm scrolling through the, the... roll 20 chat to see who did what because i don't really remember the all that much um there's a couple attacks um portia it then came it was a couple attacks from the bad guys and then portia it came to her turn and she firebolted um the troll 
because the troll had regenerated 10 HP hit points at this point. Because the troll moved, went up, regenerated 10 HP, and then Portia's like, no, 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 we're not having that. And then she firebolted him, then doing fire damage, negate it. She did enough damage to where it negated the heal, but she also inflicted fire damage on the troll to where his next turn he couldn't regenerate 10 HP because fire damage does something to trolls. I don't know what it yep. exactly. Yep. Um then it was Dagdra's turn. Um she ran up to Baruch because Baruch had a horrible AC and was just taking hits. He was almost at like a quarter health or something, just maybe a little bit more than quarter health, definitely under half, but he was just eating hits. Um and he was looking pretty haggard. So Degdra came over and, you know, was healing him. Uh, A couple of the spies went, a troll went, and then it was my turn as Jaylene. Um, She also had multi-attack, but I could, well, I guess Belmare had three attacks as well. But um, Jaylene had a longsword and a longbow, and I could do three attacks with each. Well, Longbow, I I didn't want to run in from my position because the trolls and ogres were still kind of funneling in from the middle, and I didn't want to, like, overextend myself. So I just kind of moved up a little bit. I also had pack tactics. Jaylene had pack tactics. So as long as I was within an enemy combatant and an ally at the same time, I had advantage on my hits. So I was kind of sticking around our friendly jobbers, the you know, the spies and the and the the guards because i'm like all right if if i stick close to them i'll have advantage we'll let the enemy come to us and we'll just kind of like pick them off from there um so i moved up still had some movement left but i'm like eh i'll just fire my longbow at a couple of the wolves because they have pack tactics as well and it can be pretty dangerous when you're surrounded by five wolves and they're just gonna eat the shit out of you and knock you prone uh i did three shots, missed two, landed one, uh, killing it because it had low HP. Um, then How many HP the did the wolves have, roughly? Um, I would say no more than nine. Okay. I would, the, the smaller ones had no more than nine. The bigger ones were probably mid-20s, uh, maybe 30s. Or early 30s. Um, then it was a guard's turn. He ran up and attacked um, one of the pursuing ogres down the middle lane. Uh, and then it came to Prue's turn. Prue was... Oh, man, she's a menace with that rifle. Um, she did the same... She, she did something similar to you on this, and she readied a, her thorns attack. Um, I forget what it's called, but it was that one attack she did where she sh- takes a shot and then it splinters out into thorns and it just deals quite a bit of AOE damage. Um, she took her two shots along with thorns, um, dealing at least minimum of like 30 damage a turn. Uh, it's pretty solid. Stuff. Yeah. I mean, she's got multi-attack and that gun hits pretty hard. Uh, so she's just dishing out damage. Hail of Thorns, that's what it's called. 
And then it became Curious's turn. Um, she scorching braid uh, three of the smaller dire wolves. I'm calling them dire wolves. I don't know if they actually are dire wolves, but I want to say dire wolves, so I'm just going to call them dire wolves. She's scorching raid three of them, killing all three. Um, then it was a spy's attack, a spy's turn. He shot a hand crossbow, missed. Um, and then it became Baruch's turn and Mask's turn. Baruch Mask. Mask Baruch. Whatever. Um, he, he did a, a big AOE attack. So he had like at least a couple dire wolves on him. Um, one of the medium sized ogres and the troll was all like in front of him. He had two medium sized ogres on him, but one of them was out of range. And he, in a 15 foot cone, uh, did the move Lada Moxie. And it did 46 fire slash radiant damage. And it was pretty much, they had to make a DC 17 dexterity save. And I think one of the, the one ogre um, passed, but still dealt a tremendous amount of damage to him to where he was like dead on the next hit. But it, and the troll survived on one HP, literally, and everything else got obliterated. Um, it was at this point Portia saw the shotgun, and she's just like, "Oh!" Like her eyes like widened and sparkled, and she's like, "I want to see what like I want to look more into that. Like, what does that gun do?" Like as an artificer and whatever, she was enthralled by it. And it was told to us. Um, we never got the name of the shotgun, but a little bit of backstory is that. Crew said that Baruch told her that she he got rid of this gun like years ago, but yet he still has it. So there's a little bit of like father daughter tension of just like you told me you got rid of this, but I didn't, and you know, but so there was all that going on. That was what I was the big commotion I was talking about earlier, and that took the hill giant that was in the in the middle. He heard the explosion and was going like, oh, I'm going to go over to the right side and see whatever that was. So um, it was that much damage on everyone in the area of effect of that spell? It wasn't like distributed amongst? Yeah, it was that much damage to wow. everyone in the spell. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, it wasn't like 46 spread out across five different people. It was 46 to every single target. Um, I'm going to rewind just a little bit because I forgot about this. Um, Rue did a called shot her two with her hail of thorns. She did a called shot on the, one of the kneecaps of the larger hill giants. Um, and busted out his kneecap, thereby having his movement. Um, and you know, just being an utter menace uh and then that was pretty much turn one there was a few other ogres that had attacks and some uh guards and spies had attacks but it was nothing crazy i think a lot of people died or the the guards and spies just pretty much died um at that point 
Then we're next back on the top of the turn. Uh, Portia does a firebolt on something. I don't remember. I'm going to say it was an ogre. Um, she landed it doing damage. Dangdra Manchu is still healing Baruch because, you know, he needed it. Um, I, at this point, was moving forward, um, doing a couple attacks on the ogres, you know, landing a few here and there. Um, there was at one point one of the bigger dire wolves came up and attacked me and got past my AC, but much like Bell Mare, which never really came into fruition, um, I could parry, increasing my AC by three. Thereby, I negated that damage from the dire wolf. Would that have it, been like a knockdown as well? Uh, yes, I think it would have. Um, and it costed a reaction for me to do that. Um, then it was Prue's turn to do the another called shot on the other knee. Um, but this time it was at disadvantage. I forgot to mention she had to shoot at disadvantage um, because it was a called shot. And she still managed to, even with disadvantage, she still managed to shoot and nail out the other kneecap. So at this point, this big hill giant is on his hands and knees crawling with like a fourth of his movement left and he's just not having a good time um curious does some more scorching rays on some wolves um and then baruch does little moxie um which is just his normal uh ranged attack with the shotgun he also has a giant great axe um that he can just swing with melee as well, but he, um, Baruch and Mass kind of like alternated between doing like a ranged attack and then a melee because at this point we were killing things and s killing things off as they were coming, but they were there was still just so much more coming at us. And then you know, um, at this point Velos had his turn and he was on top of the roof and decided to jump off the roof onto the back of the bolt launcher and do damage that way and one of the other giants behind or not giants sorry ogre behind the bolt launcher uh was attacking velos on the back um dealing some damage to velos pretty heftily damage um taking him down to about like half um and then uh do 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 do, do is this where the thing happened Yes, this is where the thing happened. Then it was my turn. And um, as Jaylene, um, I was in the middle with pack tactics. I was surrounded by a big dire wolf and a small dire wolf. And uh, one of the, the bolt launcher was coming down. At this point, I think the melee ogre was dead. And I'm kind of brushing through a lot of this. A lot of the enemies... A lot of the ogres were dead, and a lot of the wolves were dead at this point. And this is where, supposedly, everyone said, like, I won the game. And I'll explain why. Uh, I had three attacks. Um, two with advantage, one without. Um, and that's important for a reason. Uh, my first attack was on the big dire wolf in front of me, because that was a bigger threat. I had pack tactics, had advantage, crit. Awesome. Cool. Did enough damage, I killed it. Then, 
I went to another wolf that was right on top of me. No ally nearby, so I didn't have pack tactics. I still crit. Oh, wow. I did, I did damage, killed it. Then I moved over to the ogre, and since Velos was on the back of the bolt launcher ogre, I had pack tactics, giving me advantage again. And I crit. Uh, so each three of my attacks were all crits. I didn't kill the ogre. Um, but I did roll a one for my crit damage and I got to re-roll that, making it a six. But yeah, everyone was just like, Oh my god, that's amazing. Like Yeah, that is Jaylene amazing. It was like three <laughs> crits in a row, like you got the trifecta, and you know we we're all just joking around. Um, you know, because that's like holy crap like i got a natural crit and two other crits with advantage and then uh, i think teddy was playing along too and he's like all right queen nary comes back from the dead and says like okay i'm alive everyone go home the game's over (laughs) blah 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 blah. you know you don't have to fight anymore you know we were just kind of like horsing around um and then it was prue's turn um still dealing a, a bunch of damage to the prone hill giant because she couldn't, um, because he couldn't do anything. Um, uh, then at this point, the wolves from the left side came up and around and were flanking our back line in the middle, which was Kirasel Shadra, Portia, and a spy. So there was a lot of shenanigans going over there. Portia got knocked down, um, but she got back up again. Haha. <laughs> As you uh, do. With, yep. Um, <laughs> with the help of the spy, and then she gave, like, the spy some encouraging words. You know, there was a little bit of uh, dialogue between the two there. Um, and oh, give me a second. I have to refresh the page. And then it, that happened. Um Baruch did a thing called Insightful Fighting where he can make uh, an opposed insight check versus an enemy's deception check. So sneak attack damage could be applied to his next attack. Uh, He failed his first one but took an inspiration from Prue to re-roll it to then pass um, his insight check or have it his insight check higher than the deception check. And then he obliterated one of the ogres with his melee attack. Uh, Multiple um multiple swings because he could multi attack um some wolves were attacking um attacking one of the guards they missed all their attacks which was awesome because that kept pack tactics alive for me and the ogres um and then uh velos was on the back of the ogre he killed the bolt launcher ogre and then went to the two-headed ogre and started fighting him um and then portia was pinned down by a wolf she attacked it with her long blade um doing a booming blade and um leaving and she was doing a booming blade left took an opportunity attack um which hit her unfortunately and then she ran off to kiris to protect kiris or i don't I, I I think the intent was to run away so the wolf would move, so Booming Blade would proc. I think that was the reasoning behind it. But she got attacked by another wolf and then passed her strength save this time, so she wasn't knocked prone. Um, at this point, there was a 
uh, another medium-sized ogre, and Digdra Monitu did what I'm going to call a Keelan. Um, she spiritual weaponed and spirit guardians. That's a uh, pretty good combo. Yep. And she, it didn't last long, I'll tell you that much. Um, she did some damage here and there. Um, and then it became my turn. I was just weaving in around some wolves and ogres, dealing damage where I could with pack tactics and getting advantage. It came Prue's turn. She did a couple attacks, getting a crit on one of them. Uh, Kyrus did a firebolt um, on, I think, an o- another ogre, you know, just to, like, do some damage here and there. Uh, and then it became the wolf's turn with Booming Blade. And at first, you know, the wolf moved, took the D8 of damage for moving, and then everyone just kind of moved on from that. But I'm like, well, hold on. We're at fifth level. Our cantrips activate at fifth level. I'm like, so I spoke up. I'm like, doesn't doesn't Booming Blade get like another D8 in damage at fifth level? And sure enough, it was some more damage applied with Booming Blade, thereby killing the wolf and and instantly obliterating it. Um, and then we're pretty much getting to the end of combat at this point. A few, um, a few. There was eight spy and a guard that were left alive. Um, that the guard was in the middle with me and Velos. You had red shirts survive. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and there was a guard fighting in the middle with me, giving me pack tactics, and there was a spy fighting in the back line with um, Portia and Kyrus. And Baruch is just doing his thing, wading through enemies, killing off anything that was remainder on the right side. And at this point, everyone's kind of slowly migrating towards the middle because the right side is clear. There's nothing that really came down the left side. And what did was taken care of. So it was pretty much what was remaining was a big old hill giant and the two-headed ogre and a couple wolves. Um, so then getting Portia's turn, she chaos bolted the big hill giant doing, oh no, she chaos bolted the two-headed ogre doing psychic damage. And what happened was a, the ogre took the psychic damage and Teddy was describing that one of the heads was like freaking out and screaming. And then after a little bit, it just slumped over dead. And the other head was just like, oh, what happened? And so, don't exactly know how to interpret that, but the psychic damage killed one of the giant heads. Uh, Then it was my attack, three attacks, you know, with pack tactics, doing damage here and there. Uh, Prue had her turn, just dealing out damage right then and there, and she put an end to the combat, because... um, what was left was the giant hill giant. Um, and she just took two shots, two bullets right in the head, finishing off combat. Yeah. Prue can do some serious range damage. Yep. She's pretty scary. Uh, then, um, I'll try and be quick. Cause I think we're getting close to an hour here. Hour seven right now. Okay. Uh, then there was a little bit of healing here and there between people. And, um, and, uh, Curious had a sending stone and she contacted 
Tavane and Mask uh, in like a conference call. And she relayed to us that um, she was relaying to us that Ember's district was cleared and they're fine. She wanted a status update. I told her that, you know, Lars and I are tapped out on spells, but, you know, I'm perfectly fine. I can still swing a sword. We're already en route to Ember's. Um, and then she contacted Mask, and Mask is just like, hey, Harbor's done and cleared up, and we're heading upstream and going to the Tents of Rushime. Um, and then, um, you know, just like, because we're getting close to game time at this point, too. Um, so it was just said that Lars and I showed up at the Embers District. There was a little, any healing that needed to be done was done. Um, and then we decided as a group to split up again. So since you, Mask, and Gorko were heading up the river to the tents of Rushime, um, Prue and Baruch are going from Embers to the tents of Rushime to help assist you guys. And the crazy thing here is uh, Portia, Daedra, myself, and Lars are going to help Yorick Amanitou. Boo! And, yeah. We're going to help Yorick in the respite, or respite um, district. Boo! <laughs> and, and how we're going to get there is, I think it was called, essentially called like a, a booty call or whatever between Kyrus and Yorick because they each had like a, like a portal uh, like a portal stone or whatever. Like you broke the stone and a portal came up. And so Kyrus did that. And York was teasing her about it. He's like, it took you 30 years to finally do a booty call. But like, I can't do it right now. I'm in the middle of a fight or whatever. And so we're gonna, the three of us going to respite or respite, sorry, to help York. We're going through that portal. And that was session. Oh man. Combat sounded crazy. Yes. Uh, out of the three fights thus far, I would have to say Forge Light was the hardest and most tense. This is my opinion, of course. The Embers District would be a close second, um, mainly because of the sheer number of people, but everyone was doing good damage consistently that we pretty much had things covered. And nothing really got out of hand. And then the Harbor District was just a breeze. That was easy combat. Yeah, I am. But once again, I want to say I don't think it would have been until Harshnag showed up. Yeah, Harshnag was definitely the savior of the Harbor. All right. Well, we are over time. Uh, it's about an hour 10, uh, hour 11. So, um Anything else that we want to bring up real quick from the session? Uh, nope. Uh, no cantrip reports because I don't yep. think you told the dead and I, did I didn't not. play top of day. Yep. So, uh, no cantrip reports. Um, okay. Well, in, um, honor of, uh, Prue getting back up again, we'll, uh, uh, leave with a little Chumbawamba. Uh, so, um, Kat, thanks again for uh, taking the notes and uh, getting us uh, getting us through the second half that I had to miss. So, hopefully, a full session for me next time. Yeah, we 
looking forward to it. All right, man. Well, we'll uh, uh, enjoy the rest of your evening, and we'll talk to you later. Bye.